0: Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. Well, hello everyone. We are now in John chapter 10. Hi, I'm Dr. Paula McDonald, and I love studying the Word of God with you. So last lesson, we learned about Jesus bringing the man from darkness to light. And this week, we're going to learn about Jesus and how he is our loving shepherd. And so I have this into two divisions. The first division is the allegory of the shepherd and the sheep, and that takes us from verses one through twenty one. And our second division are antagonists towards Christ. And that takes us from verses nineteen through forty two. And so as we start in this first section of an allegory, Jesus teaches in an allegoric method, and this is simply the expression of by means of symbolic fictional figures and actions of truth or of generalizations about human existence. And next, it's an instance, as in a story or a painting of such expression, kind of captured in a picture. And it could be considered a symbolic representation. So here in chapter 10 of John, Jesus for the first time Introduces the concept of himself as the shepherd of his people, the sheep. And during the time that this was written, people were very connected on a daily basis with shepherds and sheep. These animals were mainly used for their wool that they provided. And additionally, the sheepskins were valued for their provision of coverage and for making waterproof bags to carry water and wine. And also, The sheep were important to be used as temple sacrifice and for special feasts. And a shepherd's job was very important. It was the responsibility of the youngest son in the family. They carried a rod or a staff of wood to help herd and protect the sheep. And a sling was often carried. And it was the shepherds who were skilled with the sling that were able to better protect their flocks. A musical flute was also part of a shepherd's equipment. The shepherd used the flute to calm and refresh his flock. And a shepherd counted his sheep each evening and every morning. And a shepherd was known to be dependable and reliable as they tended their flock. So here's a fun note about sheep. And if you've ever raised one of these animals, You might not know some of these funny things that help us with this analogy here between sheep and God's people. So when my older children were very young, we raised sheep as part of a 4-H project. And we learned a lot about these animals during the time where we were carrying and feeding them. First, sheep are no doubt very cute. They have wistful eyes with long eyelashes and they are fluffy. But second, sheep don't appear to have very long memories. They must be around their master continually in order to learn his voice. So when we first brought our sheep home, they would respond to us when we were out in the pen with them. When we left and came back just a few minutes later, they would shy away from us as if they didn't know us. And often to the point of banging their head against the wall as they turned quickly to run away. <laughs> and did you know that without guidance, sheep will walk off a cliff or they can get stuck easily if they are flipped upside down. They cannot right themselves up. So after raising sheep, I had to laugh, thinking how God has a sense of humor. Aren't we just like the sheep? Can't you just see him saying, Aw, look how cute my people are? But they really aren't all that sharp. They just bang their heads on things. So, just as sheep have short memories, we as followers of Christ often easily forget that all he has done for us and how he is navigating for our lives on a daily basis. And we forget the many blessings that he has given us. And also, Like the lost sheep, we too can become lost very quickly without God's guidance. And how many times have you found yourself upside down and the only way to write yourself up is with God? I just had to share that because I just, I love how those allegories paint beautiful pictures. And so chapter 10 then is a continuation of Jesus's discourse after the lesson of the spiritual blindness from chapter 9. Chapter 10 begins with another, I tell you the truth. So Jesus is telling his listeners to pay attention. As in a former teacher, I can see him standing before them saying, this will be on the test, so listen up. So here's what he said. Jesus the shepherd in verse 2. The Pharisees were just questioning Jesus and challenging him on all fronts. And they had just tossed out the newly-seeing man who was cured of his blindness. And Jesus is about to show them how badly they were missing the point. As they threw this man out, Jesus says, The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. And in ancient times, Sheep pens were often built with large stones in which to provide a safe place to rest at night. The gate was often formed by a stone entrance, and the shepherd would sleep at the gate to prevent any of his sheep from getting out at night. And remember the pool of Bethesda in John 5, where we learned about this pool was also called the sheep's gate? And here we saw the invalid who was healed by Jesus in this pool. And how clearly we can see the true meaning of Jesus about those entering the sheep's gate by some other ways points to him as being the only gate to God. The people of those days were familiar with Psalm 23, which refers to God as the shepherd. So Jesus is telling the people that he is the gate and that anyone trying to get to God in any other method were considered to be thieves and robbers. Well, that is very strong language, and it's very clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In those days, this statement caused great division between the people. Many people chose to deny this truth, claiming Jesus to be judgmental and narrow-minded. However, as we understand what the role of the shepherd entailed, what a beautiful picture we see of our loving Lord who cares for us so intimately. He is our provider, our protector, our guide. He calms and refreshes us, and he cares intimately for each of us, his followers. And he goes ahead of us all and calls us by name. Those who follow him we know his voice. He even tells us that we will never follow a stranger because we do not recognize their voice. This is a great reminder of the gift of spiritual discernment. And as we remain close to Christ and we know his word, we are able to discern between good and evil. And the more we come to know him by spending time with him and studying his word, our spiritual discernment skills are sharpened. Next, in verse 7, let's talk about Jesus the gate. In verse 6, we see where the people still did not understand what Jesus was saying. So now he goes specifically to the allegory of the gate. He says, He is the gate for the sheep. And again, in verse 9, he says, He is the gate. Whoever enters through Him. Would be saved. Jesus is for you and me. If we choose to believe in him, we will be saved for eternity. But we must first place our trust in Jesus. It's a choice and a promise. He promises us a pasture, a place of provision, that we would have a full life. And I believe so many Christians miss this important point of fullness. Fullness is a state of being sated or satisfied, wholeness, totality, completion. Christians who grasp this part of the promise must recognize that they do have a fullness in this life. He didn't promise us wealth, health, or anything else other than to live fully. Therefore, as a follower of Christ, no matter what is happening, we must remain in this truth that we have a fullness that those without Christ simply do not have. Have you been complaining about your life? Well, you need to stop it. As a Christian with Him in your life, you are full. And that is exactly how my book, Theosynthesis Live Today, was born. Just like in the process of photosynthesis, this perfect cycle. Exists of theosynthesis to sustain life when we are connected to God, the sunlight s o n light sustains us fully, and now we're going to look at in verse eleven how Jesus is the good shepherd, and he goes even further to tell us that he lays down his life for us. He teaches us here that we need to be wary of the hired hand. Basically, anyone other than Jesus will not provide life. Be careful to whom you are entrusting. You will know if there is a false teacher or teaching only if you know the Word of God. So here Jesus is pointing back to the Pharisees who were appointed leaders by God, yet they refused to see the truth of Jesus. And he tells them these men do not truly care for their sheep, and that they would run away. That's a hard truth for these leaders. Jesus says to them, you really don't care for your followers. Otherwise, you would see how you are misleading them. But Jesus also lovingly tells his followers that he knows each of them. What a beautiful confirmation that Jesus tells us how he knows each. Each one of us intimately, and that he would lay down his life for you and for me. So now, in verse 16, Jesus has other sheep, and he speaks to the people who are not already in his flock. And most theologians believe this statement means the inclusion of those who were not born into the Jewish heritage. Jesus is telling us that all. Are welcome to come to him. He is seeking all who desire to be his. And in those days, this was way new thinking to the Jewish people. But remember, Jesus had already begun laying this truth out as he ministered to the Samaritan woman. And then in verse 17, Jesus lays his life down for us. And in this part of the discourse, Jesus affirms. His promise of laying down his life in order to save our lives. And additionally, he shares that he does this on his own accord. And at this point, the division between the people once again continues. And now we'll move into the second part of this chapter, and it's the antagonists towards Christ. In verse 22, lets us know that the time of year was now winter as they were preparing for the Feast of Dedication. And now we call this Hanukkah or Festival of Lights. And originally, the Feast of Dedication celebrated the Jewish temple that was restored and cleansed from the defilement from the Syrian Empire. They had looted the temple and defiled it horribly. After the temple was rededicated to the Lord, there was still unadulterated, undefiled, pure olive oil with the seal of the high priest that was needed for the menorah or the lampstand in the temple. And this was required to burn throughout the city every night. Unfortunately, only one flask was found with enough oil to burn for one day. Yet, when the Jews poured in the oil and lit the menorah, it burned for eight days. Of course, eight days is the time needed to prepare a fresh supply of kosher oil for the menorah. It is this miracle that is commemorated during the Feast of Dedication. And today, Hanukkah is celebrated by lighting the candle or the menorah with nine flames. The first or middle candle is lit to commemorate the start of the season. And for the following eight nights, the other candles are lit. So then in verse 24, they ask him, are you the Christ? And the Jews now more boldly demand for Jesus to tell them plainly if he is the Christ. And Jesus' reply, he again begins by telling them, he had already told them this, yet they still did not believe. And he tells them his miracles clearly point to this fact, but they simply cannot believe grasp this because they are not his sheep and they were choosing to not believe. So then in verse 27, Jesus defines his sheep even further. He says, they listen to my voice and they know me. He is saying to unbelievers, you don't listen and therefore you don't know me. He tells them he gives his sheep eternal life. And if that weren't enough, he says that no one can snatch them from his hands because he and his father are one. And this, you guys, is critical. Do you understand that once you accept Christ, nothing and no one can ever take this from you? Just stop and reflect on that for a moment. So then, in verse 31, the antagonists. They try to stone Jesus. Once again, we see the arms of his naysayers with their hands gripping the stones, ready to hurl them to silence Jesus. And this time, before Jesus departs, he asks them, for which miracle are they stoning him for? And with this question, Jesus calls them to the carpet for the true reason they wished him dead. They respond with blasphemy. Well, blasphemy meant the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God or the act of claiming the attributes of God. And now they show their true character. They will not accept Christ for whom he claims to be. And then Jesus's final words to them in verses 34 through 38. He gets right to the point and he challenges them with what is written in their own law. He says to them that they are God's, a little g, based on the teachings in the Old Testament. God has always provided leaders for his people, and these people were to uphold God's laws to the nth degree. They are held to a higher standing. Because these leaders were choosing to deny Christ, they were obviously missing the clear signs Of who Jesus truly was. Jesus then escapes in verses 40 through 42, and because his time was not yet here, Jesus evades his antagonists again, and this time he retreats back to the Jordan from the early days of John's baptizing. I would also want to retreat at this point as well, and the Jordan is where Jesus started his ministry and where he would now seek solace and preparation for his final days such a beautiful beautiful chapter so if you have your notebook and you want to do your challenge questions i've got some for you number 1 how many times have you found yourself upside down and needed god to help you up number 2 in what ways have you encountered and recognized Jesus's voice in your own life. Three, are you claiming a full life with Christ? What grumblings and complaints do you need to give up in order to truly live a life in wholeness with him? And number four, whom do you know that is out of the sheep's pen and needs to know Christ? And how will you approach them? And then number five, Jesus is your shepherd. He loves and protects you. How can you personally thank him? Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.